Welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. Sermon by Matt Carpenter on November 21st, Lord's Day Service. Our text this morning is the book of Leviticus, chapter 11. Read verses 1 through 17, and then 43 through 47. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying to them, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, These are the animals which you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. Among the animals, whatever divides the hoof, having cloven hooves and chewing the cud, that you may eat. Nevertheless, these shall you not eat among those that chew the cud or those that have cloven hoofs. The camel, because it chews the cud but does not have cloven hoofs, is unclean to you. The rock hyrax, because it chews the cud but does not have cloven hoofs, is unclean to you. The hare, because it chews the cud and does not have cloven hoofs, is unclean to you. And the swine, though it divides the hoof, having cloven hoofs, yet it does not chew the cud. It is unclean to you. Their flesh shall you not eat, and their carcasses you shall not touch. They are unclean to you. These are they that you may eat that are in the water. Whatever in the water has fins and scales, whatever in the seas or in the rivers that you may eat. But all in the seas or in the rivers that do not have fins and scales, all that move in the water or any living thing which is in the water, they are an abomination to you. They shall be an abomination to you. You shall not eat their flesh, but you shall regard their carcasses as an abomination. Whatever in the water does not have fins or scales, that shall be an abomination to you. These you shall regard as the abomination among the birds. They shall not be eaten, for they are an abomination. The eagle, the vulture, the buzzard, the kite, and the falcon after its kind, every raven after its kind, the ostrich, the short-eared owl, the seagull, and the hawk after its kind, the little owl, the fisher owl, and the screech owl, the white owl, the jackdaw, the carrion vulture, the stork, the heron, all after its kind, and the bat. Now, verse 43. You shall not make yourselves abominable with any creeping thing that creeps, nor shall you make yourselves unclean with them, lest you be defiled by them. For I, the Lord your God, I am the Lord your God. You shall not therefore con- you shall therefore consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. This is the law of the animals and the birds and every living creature that moves in the waters and of every creature that creeps on the earth to distinguish between the unclean and the clean and between the animal that may be eaten and the animal that may not be eaten. Let us pray. Father and God, you have given us clear teaching through your word of what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do. May we receive it and receive hope in your glorious message of the gospel. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our chapter this morning has been the foundation of more than a few diet plans over the centuries. While there are certainly benefits to not eating fried vulture this Thanksgiving, 
there's more to the clean and unclean distinction than physical health. In these distinctions, God was preparing his people for the work of Christ. To understand the distinction between clean versus unclean animals, there are a few classifications that we need to see first. Those classifications are holy versus common and clean versus unclean. Gordon Wenham explains it this way, quote, everything that is not holy in scripture is common. Common things then divide into two groups, the clean and the unclean. Clean things become holy when they are sanctified, that is set apart and made holy. But unclean objects cannot be sanctified, end quote. So you have those two distinctions, holy versus common, and underneath common you have clean and unclean. So then what makes something unclean? Not just what items, but what is it about certain things that when you touch it, it makes you unclean? The answer is when you touch death. Life and death is the primary distinction from the beginning of the world. We will see in not only this chapter, but in the next several chapters, that any, anything or any time you touch something related to death, especially either certain animals or bodily fluids, you become unclean. If you want a preview of that, just go ahead and read Leviticus 12, 13, 14, and 15. If you've not had certain conversations with your children, uh, you may just want to go ahead and be prepared for what's in those next chapters in Leviticus. Although I will say I'm not going to read every verse of every chapter just by way of forewarning. So whenever you touch blood, especially, whether it's your own blood that you bleed out or whether it's you touching someone else's blood, you are touching, in a way, death. Leviticus 17.11 says that the life of the flesh is in the blood. Whenever you touch something that has come from inside the body, the person who has lost that fluid has, in a way, lost strength. This is not only for, as I said, bleeding, but it's also in marital acts and, as we mentioned earlier today, at the baptism exhortation with leprosy. All these things represent touching death. Now, if you've touched death, that does not mean you are in sin. It does mean, though, that for a time you are separated from God and God's people. You would have to, if you touched an unclean animal, you'd have to remove yourself to your house. You wash your clothes and you have to remain there until the evening. And likely it would be until probably the next day when people would normally get out again. Again, these distinctions of clean and unclean, they mark the next several chapters. 
Whether it's animals, having a baby, or dealing with leprosy, God is always in, the, in this book teaching his people separation from pollution and death. See, being separate, removing yourself from death, that is, you are walking in Life. You're walking in the path of life. Everything that you do, you're making a choice either to walk in life or to walk in death. And of course, if you were unclean and you touched someone else who was clean, guess what? Now that person is unclean as well. That's why when Paul would say in his letter to the Corinthians, bad company corrupts good, manner, good manners. He's applying spiritually what was taught physically about clean and unclean in the Old Testament. So getting back to the animals, why is it that some are clean and others not? I mean, is a pig, think about this, is a pig really dirtier than a sheep? Those who say yes have probably never sheared a sheep. They are not pristine, clean little animals like you see at the farm shows. A sheep that's left in the field can be quite nasty. Again, the, the division is not how physically clean the animal looks. It has to do with death. Unclean animals are those who eat death, like scavenger birds, shellfish, and such, or those animals who live in caves. That is, dark places, which were associated with burial and Death, And even many of the animals who would walk on the ground, but naturally they were walking much closer to death. You, you could also look at it this way. Though, many of those animals that eat meat, that eat other be living beings, are considered unclean. Because part of this has to do with the ground. What did God curse when Adam sinned? The ground. The ground was cursed. So the animals that live in the cursed area, like the hares, like the badgers, they, they bury themselves essentially at night. They are in a type of death. So even something like the pigs... He gives a distinction of what th that the pigs are, you know, wh why the pigs are considered clean, or excuse me, unclean. But pigs were, we know this, they were used in many pagan rituals, pagan sacrifices. Again, this is about God's people being separate, not walking in death, but walking rather in life. Even if an animal is con if to look at it would be considered deformed or maybe not deformed, but you could say abnormal, like a camel. A camel does not look normal, okay? Or a bat. What is a bat? It looks like a rodent that flies. Now, they're considered unclean. 
But you know what? The same, is, the same standard is applied to a man who could be a potential priest. If a potential priest had a physical deformity, guess what? He couldn't serve as a priest. It even said if a man had a flat nose, which the first time I've read that verse, I casually took a glance in the mirror pretty soon afterward, just, just out of curiosity to see if I'd be able to do that. I, one of my sisters told me, you don't have a flat nose, I can tell you that. So the association with death is what makes certain animals unclean. In verses 43 through 45, though, we're told, God tells his people that the purpose for the distinction is that so they would be a holy people unto him. I mean, he says it very plainly. You don't make yourselves abominable with these creeping things, for I am the Lord your God. You shall consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. He's saying, be like me. Walk this separate path of life. In Leviticus 20, verses 23 through 26, we have a further explanation of the symbolism of this division between clean and unclean animals. He said, You shall not walk in the statutes of the nations which I am casting out before you, for they commit all these things, and therefore I abhor them. But I have said to you, You shall inherit their land, and I will give you to possess a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, who has separated you from the peoples. You shall therefore distinguish between yourselves and, excuse me, between clean and unclean animals, between clean and unclean birds, and you shall not make yourselves abominable by beast or bird or by any kind of living thing that creeps on the ground which I have separated from you as unclean. And you shall be holy to me, for I am the Lord. I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. It's not that the other nations had radically different dietary restrictions. We know historically that for the most part they didn't have vastly different. It's not that the neighboring Amorites or something were just feasting on ostrich all the time. That was not their habit. But God, he's teaching his people why there must be separation. You see, the animals are associated with the nations. That's what he's saying in Leviticus 20, verses 23 through 26. He said, I'm separating you from these other nations. That's why I don't want you eating certain things, and I do want you eating other things. This separation of animals presents, it teaches his people a picture of the coming gospel. So what do you do if you become unclean by touching an animal? Or perhaps, we see it further, what do you do if you become unclean, period? Well, his prescription is always, whether it's with the animals or whether it's with other things, you have to wash your clothes. So there has to be a washing. Washing is necessary to go from being unclean to clean. And sometimes there must be shedding of blood. This washing brings you back into fellowship with God and his people. So the laws were given to draw Israel as a nation to holiness. But what about the animals? 
I don't want to forget about them. Are some animals destined just to be unclean for the rest of history? Well, you and I, we can't make animals clean just by washing them. But guess what? God can. And he says actually that he will. We get a glimpse of this in Isaiah chapter 11. In Isaiah 11, we're told that the rod of Jesse will rise. And in his reign, let me begin in verse 6. Very famous passage you'll recall. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. And the weaned child put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not destroy nor hurt in all my holy mountains. Mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. He again is equating the animals who are coming in with the Gentiles coming into the covenant. This wonderful picture of the predator and prey being united is not just about predator and prey. It's not just about peace. It's about the unclean predator lying with the clean prey together. The clean animals, sheep, cow, ox, are with the unclean animals, the lion, the wolf. They're together. See, lions and wolves had paws. If you had paws, you're unclean. So you have more going on than just this lovely precious moments picture, which is honestly what we often think of when we think of Isaiah 11. No, this is the work of Yahweh in the flesh. This is what he promised to do to the nations. Again, Isaiah 52, it's a promise of what the coming king will do. He says in Isaiah 52, 15, that I will sprinkle many nations. This is God's work. And sprinkling the nations, brothers and sisters, is what makes them clean. It takes what the ones who were formerly unclean and makes them clean. And then the picture culminates in Acts 10 when we see Peter on the balcony of a house. So now we're in the new covenant. Acts chapter 10 verse 9 says, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending upon him and let him down, excuse me, and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And the voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time saying, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Whoa, when did this happen? 
Peter's a good Jewish man who is faithful to Christ, and he sees this sheet that comes down, and it has the clean animals, their thumbs up. It has the unclean animals, their thumbs down, and he hears the message from the Lord because he answers back and he says, Lord, I can't do this. We have a mixed multitude here. And the Lord says, no, 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 you don't understand. I've cleansed them all. Where did that cleansing come from? It came from the Savior on the cross. After his work, after the root of Jesse came, he cleansed all the nations. Jesus did something only he could do. The good news here is not just you can eat barbecue. It's that he has done a work that only the Almighty can accomplish. He cleansed the nations. He adopted them into his family. We live today in the earliest moments of Yahweh's new creation, and we are seeing the first glimpses of what this renewal looks like. Yes, we still see turmoil among nations and strife among peoples, but we are assured based on the prophecy of Isaiah, we are assured that in time as we practice the peace of Christ now that His mighty work of bringing the nations together will be accomplished. And there's nothing no enemy can do about it. But what about those animals? I don't just mean the nations. I mean the actual animals themselves. I want to remind you of Paul's words in Romans 8, 19 through 21. He says this, For the earnest expectation of the, cre of the creation or of the creature eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation... Was, subject, was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. The very creation itself, not just humans, but all creation was subjected to the consequences of sin. And according to what Paul says here, the creation waits for the revealing of the sons of God. And God subjected the creation. All creatures are subjected to this in hope. Because one day the creation will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. You know what? If he wanted to use the word men or man, he could have. That's not what the apostle, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, used. He used the words creation to include all of it. Though we all deal with the effects of sin, death, and separation from God, God has revealed to us as his people, the path of life. Just as in the old covenant, they had, when, when they would become unclean, they needed to be washed. 
and in some instances they would need blood. We have been washed and we have received blood flowing from the side of our Savior. And just as Israel of old, we are called to walk in the path of holiness, obeying Him in faith. We will still experience the effects of sin throughout this life, and we will see the effects of death as we are subjected to the same futility. But that is not our final expectation. At this point, I would ask you to brace yourselves. The day will come, as John saw in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verse 13. Let me quote, Every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that is in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Think about that. In that passage in Revelation 5, John saw into heaven. He saw into the heavenly realm the angels. He said 10,000 times 10,000 praising God. And then he's looking in the earth. And he said, when I, I looked up into heaven here, that word is a reference to those things that are in the sky. And then he sees in the earth, and then the sea, and the things that are under the earth. All, again, every creature saying this. Do you know what John saw? John saw a vision of one day us joining our voices, not only with the saints of old, not only with the angels before God. John saw every creature, the clean and what were formerly unclean, the animals of the land, the sea, and the sky, all saying blessing, honor, glory, power be unto him that sits upon the throne. The beings that praise God one day will blow our minds when we join with them all in praise to our God. One day we will all together sing of the redemption in Christ and the eternal glory of God. That, brothers and sisters, is the good news of the clean and unclean animals because now they're cleansed. The nations are cleansed. And he sets before us in his word the hope of creation. Let us pray. Father and God, thank you for teaching us, for making known the glory that you have revealed. I pray that we would receive this. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com.
That's trinityreformedkirk.com.